Welcome to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Final score, 62-14. The 23rd-ranked Oregon Ducks defeat the Portland State Vikings. Neil Lomax, Judah Newby, welcome to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Want your reaction at 503-417-7575. Justin Herbert, 20 for 26. Oh, my gosh. 250 yards, four touchdowns. All of that in the uh, first half, though we did see some time in the third quarter. How about TBJ? 21 carries, a buck 07, two touches. And a Charlie T for Portland State. Getting the Vikings some love. Five catches, a buck 25, and two scores as well. Final score, 23rd-ranked Oregon, 62, and the Portland State Vikings, 14. Neil Lomax. Hand over that check. <laughs> we were kind of joking about that. Like, is Mario Cristobal going to come over and shake hands and kind of slip him that little cashier's check for five seventy five? What are you talking about? Uh, hey, saw, basically, right away, my first take, saw this movie last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes by script. Very similar. I mean, the Ducks, again, did what they had to do. Uh, so impressed with Justin Herbert. How he just commands that style of offense, and we, we expect that from him. Everybody's put the bar so high for this guy. I mean, from the NFL scouts all the way down to anybody uh, across the nation in NCAA football, we'll say this guy's probably the top three or four potential best quarterbacks in the country. And, again, he showed today. I was just so impressed with a lot of the touch throws. We've got a lot of notes. We'll, we'll go, go and cover him, but obviously the statistics, statistics bear it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, 20-26, a 10-yard 10, 10 average. Four touchdowns. So now he's thrown nine touchdowns in seven quarters? Six, six and a half qu- quarters. Six, okay. Yeah. Okay. Ten total touchdowns with okay. the rushing score last week as well. How about that? I mean, to me, that's my thing. I think Justin Herbert belongs in the Heisman Trophy conversation two weeks into the season. Am I wrong on that? I mean, he's played six and a half quarters. He's got ten total touchdowns against two cupcakes. Some people were getting at me on Twitter saying, hey, man, he's only played, you know, Bowling Green and Portland State. Don't be doing any of this hashtag Heisman watch. I say baloney with that. This guy belongs in the Heisman Trophy conversation, even though it's two weeks into it. You can't put up those stats, Neil Lomax. You had seven touchdowns (laughs) in one quarter once upon a time. You don't put up those stats. I mean, he deserves some national attention. This is why you have cupcake games anyway. Well, he can pad some stats. Yeah, okay, but he was getting that. Two months ago. Yeah. So he was. Uh, he was getting even last year until he got hurt. So that came with the territory. We all expect all the Duck fans are a little more prejudiced. I think he is uh, a Marcus Mariota. Uh, and Do you think he is? He's not. Well, we'll, let, we'll, we'll see how far they go. Because Marcus Mariota took him to a national championship, took him to a lot of BCS games in his two, three years that he was at what, at uh, Eugene. So, But anyway, again, Six, seven different guys touching balls offensively, rushing the football. Um, C.J. Verdett, uh, you saw Todd Griffin. TBJ played all the way to the fourth quarter. So, and receiving-wise, J.J. Three had a good game. All these guys, they 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 mix it. And then Kano Dillon, how about number 85 yeah. filling in for Cam McCorm? I mean, we can Great go job. on and on and on, but bottom line is I'm impressed with number 10. Number 10's the field general. He runs the show, and he did it again for two weeks. He finished 20 for 26 today. How about the efficiency? A little bit better than last week when he went 10 of 21. You know, doing the quick math in my head right now. He was 30 pass completions in his first 47 attempts. 30 for 47 through two games and nine touchdowns. Well, he had three or four drops last week, too. And and, the, yeah. and, and J.J. will say that. Um, 
You know, Dylan Mitchell talked about it last week. I, I heard him on the radio giving a little – he should have caught a couple more. And, and I love that about those receivers down there. Hey, I could have had that one. I could have had that one. So they're going to get plenty of touches. You're going to see a lot of balls in the air in the next seven, eight weeks. That's good. This team is – again, I, I said it. I think them in Washington in, in the north. I, people are underrating Oregon. They really are. I think they look just that good. Yeah, it's, it's Portland State, and it was Bowling Green. But what I see, this from Justin Herbert, who is the guy, that makes that offense go. That makes the run game go. When he's that effective and that productive, throwing the football, it just makes the run game go. And that's why you saw this game was kind of short. It's kind of fast. Because they were running the football. Now, Portland State was taking every second at that 40-second game, that play clock. And I don't blame him for that. But Oregon, again, spreads that thing out so well. And the threat of his arm makes that running game so effective. I think you bring up something interesting there. Ducks win 62-14, to 14, and fans, you can call in at 503-417-7575 through two games. Are the Ducks underrated? After beating Bowling Green, 58-24. After beating Portland State, 62-14. to 14. You got San Jose State next week. But do you think nationally the Ducks are underrated? Are they better than number 23 in the country? for what you have seen so far. And you always have to preface that with the level of competition. I understand that. And we won't truly get a good look at Oregon until week four of the season when they host Stanford in their Pac-12 opener. Next week, of course, San Jose State. But in your mind, for the fan, is your Oregon team underrated right now? 2-0, and they put up, what, 58-62? and it's a lot of points. Yes. It's a lot of points for two games. It's a lot of yards. Ten total touchdowns for their quarterback. You know, are the Ducks overrated? You can call in at 503-417-7575. 503-417-7575. And we'll get a chance for you to uh, sound off right here on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. And uh, joining uh, Neil Lomax and myself. So we got you for the next two hours, part of Oregon College Game Day. The Ducks win this one 62-14. to 14. And right out of the gate, there were a couple of dropped passes on the very first drive of the game. And it started to seem like that, that similar theme to what we saw last week. But when it's all said and done, the receivers righted the ship. They were able to put this one away. 14-0 at the end of the first quarter. By halftime, this was a 35-7 to ball game. And right before half, Neil, you know, Portland State driving near midfield get themselves a fourth and nine, under two minutes to go. They decide to go for it. Does not go well for them. Jalen Jelks gets the sack, and that's really what turned this game from being semi-competitive into a blowout. Well, and I, I don't know if it was, it was even competitive to that point, but that, that decision by Barney, and I, I, I was the first to admit we were watching the games. I, I, I wouldn't have done that, um, but that's why I'm not having the, the head, the Portland State Viking head hat and sitting <laughs> the sidelines there like Bruce Barnum is, but I would have punted the ball. You know, it's still minute 30 left, but on that drive, I mean, it's fourth and nine from their own 49. I'm saying, just punt the ball. They get the sack. So Oregon, I, I don't know, it was Jelks or it might have been Hollins coming was, off the uh, edge. Jelks, yeah. Uh, came in, sack. So now you give you give Herbert and the Ducks 45 yards. It takes them exactly like 58 seconds. They go right down. And that, I tell you, the fade route to JJ3 in the corner Beautiful. was just a, a, it's a thing of class. I appreciate. You now he throws the ball. He's got some ropes. He th- he throws some lasers. I mean, he threw that one ball right into Kano. Um, 
Awesome. Right between the numbers. Right there. Now, of course, the jerseys, they're so damn big anyway that the numbers, you better throw it between the, the dang numbers. They're huge numbers. But anyway, that touch pass was awesome to, to Johnson. So, but it took him 58 seconds, bang, all of a sudden. Now it's really out of hand. Game goes from 35 7, 42 7, ball game. 503-417-7575. Talk more about uh, Justin Herbert and uh, and what he showed you. And the backup quarterback, we didn't see Tyler Shuck in this game. Back of my mind, I was a little disappointed not to see Tyler Shuck, the, uh, the freshman coming out of Chandler, Arizona. We did see Braxton Burmeister. And, Neil, this was a more impressive showing from Burmeister today than, than last week. The stats are one thing, but the effectiveness of the offense is another he does finish 3-for-3 three three passing the yeah. football for 16 yards, and he helps lead him on a scoring drive there in the fourth quarter to turn a 49-14 game into a 56-14 game that ultimately finishes 62-14. to But but it looked a little similar, though. He comes in, they go three and out, and, and at that point it's still, you know, what, 42-7. to seven. Portland State goes with a trick play. They go trips, or they, we call it a diamond package, where you're kind of that diamond formation. They go the double pass. And, and Charlie T catches that ball down the seam. That receiver throws that ball inside. He's going to run out for another 50-yard touchdown reception. But Portland State converts from there. Mm-hmm. Jelani Eason leads them in, and they score. And you're going, okay, uh-oh, you know, 45-14. Saw this last week. And then Braxton came back, though, and did a solid drive. The running game, though, again, they're banging away with Taj Grimm. They're banging away with CJ. They're banging away with that TBJ. Yep. That Tony Brooks James was still playing. So, nice drive there. They get the touchdown. That kind of put it away. Quarterback's best friend. Good running game, right? Absolutely. I mean, you can attest to that. Not that you ever wanted to run the football. Well, I, yeah, I'm not pulling that <laughs> ball in his own read, man. I'm trying to find the sidelines. I ran like a 4-6-5 to the sideline. Lomax on the loose. Get, him to, get to the sideline. Love that. All right, coming up on the other side, more breaking down to this Oregon game, 62-14. to Also, plenty of action elsewhere around the Pac-12. What's going on in Lincoln? Great game. Nebraska-Colorado will break down that one and a whole lot more. Just getting started on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Call in at 503-417-7575. 503-417-7575 on the game. 62-14, Ducks beat the Vikings, 503-417-7575, 503-417-7575, wherever you may be, wherever you may have enjoyed this Duck victory as they improve to 2-0. We'll see how far they rise up the AP poll when that is released on Monday. They went up for uh, one spot from 24-23 to 23 after a win over Bowling Green. We'll see how uh, marginally they increase their top 25 ranking Coming up next week, and then they got San Jose State, a San Jose State team that plays later tonight at Washington State. My question earlier, are the Oregon Ducks underrated, or are they aptly rated? Are they overrated? Is the 23rd ranking in the country just right? Can you take away any conclusions from two weeks playing Bowling Green in Portland State? Neil Lomax joins me, Judah Newby, Oregon College Football Postgame Show. You can chime in at 503-417-7575. Can you take away any conclusions after playing these two up? Op- well, the whole, the whole underrated, overrated. They're rated by AP, UPI, NCAA, different kind of sports books, all that. Hey, they're a top 25. They deserve to be a top 25 right now. We're week two. They haven't played anybody. Now, that Stanford game is going to be big. And it's going to be very interesting to watch USC and Stanford and I as we're watching, I think, Colorado and Nebraska. You're, trying to, you're seeing top 25 teams play. We saw it last week in week one. We had Auburn and Washington, you know, Questionable about a six and an eight 
ranking between those two two teams. No, no, no. But still, pretty you know during the year you might be off a couple. But I still feel Oregon, um, and I don't have a dog in the fight. I, I can go to Oregon State, going to Oregon, just watching that team again. I, I'm just impressed again by the effectiveness. And I tell you, what's interesting? I'm a quarterback. Justin Herbert's not happy. Here's why: he muffed a snap, and I, I know him. I know how I'd feel. He did everything really, really well. He muffed a little snap, and now they're getting way behind the chains. It's third and sixteen. He gets a sack. I tell you, after all the things he did well, I mean, he would have graded out ninety-five percent. If I'm grading him today, it's ninety-eight, ninety-five percent. And I'm good. telling you what, he's walking away going, "How in the hell did I drop that snap?" I muffed a snap. I caused our team to be third and 16, and I took a sack. That's the kind of guy he is. I, I really believe that. And that's why he's going to be a pretty special guy to watch. Well, that's why I'm going to say that the Ducks are underrated, because I think Justin Herbert's underrated. That's no. it. It's as simple as that. For, and from this standpoint, I think Oregon fans know how good he can be. I don't think anybody else does. I don't think anybody else does. He, I'm not he, sure I could blame everybody else, because they haven't seen him in big games like the Washingtons and the Stanfords that are coming up. But I, I would, I'll go on them. I think Ducks are going to win that Stanford game. I don't even care what happens tonight, Stanford USC. <laughs> okay. I, the Ducks have shown me enough. The versatility, Neil. The depth. I mean, it's it's on fire. This yeah. is the kind of stuff that can win you Pac-12 games. And that quarterback, yeah. he spins it like Lomax. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, well, no, he's not that good. But um, <laughs> you know, you had six six guys touching the ball rushing wise. I'm not cat. I'm not really counting Braxton or Justin, sure. and Burmeister and Herbert. They they pulled a couple. You know. Justin ran it four times, won a couple, but again, three of those are sacks or two of them are sacks. So you take that out though, and you got six guys uh, carrying the football. And hey, TBJ, over 100 yards rushing, as well as CD Verdell, 106 yards rushing. That's impressive. That's a very impressive rushing statistic for Oregon. Yeah. Here's how uh, one of those Verdell touchdowns sounded on the Pac 12 network. Maybe. C.J. Verdell off the left side, and he's in for a touchdown. His first college score. And TBJ got in the paint. Third and goal inside the one. Again, it's Brooks James. He's up and over and in. Touchdown, Ducks. 16 plays on the drive. Second today for Tony Brooks James. 16 plays on a drive. What were they doing? And Normally, that, it's that, a four-play yeah, drive. I think that was over three minutes, which is like a shock. <laughs> I mean, their average scoring drive was two minutes and 30 seconds. Let's get impatient. And just bang, bang. And they, they run that quick power. They run that quick lead. They run that zone read so well. Yeah. Just bang, bang. Going to the tight end side. Going to the slot side. Um, and then they throw that little quick fire out there. And a fire means you have one receiver blocking, one other receiver takes a couple steps, goes back. We just call that a quick X and Z fire. Fire. And, and, and bang, it's a quick hit. It's like a sweep. You don't, right. you don't have to run a sweep. You just throw out the receivers with two guys and block it. And then the, i tell you, the, the player is really impressive when he hit um, Dylan, you know, Kano Dillon, that touchdown. So they did a pump fire. They faked the fire. You had a uh, score running down, running down the numbers who was wide open. I mean, Justin's back there playing paper, rock, scissors to himself. Who, who should I throw to get the touchdown? So he took Dylan, but that was so impressive how they set things up. And again, that's set up by the running game, how you just keep gashing back and forth, bringing Tosh Griffin, bringing Travis Dye, bringing C.D. Vardell, bringing Tony Brooks James. I mean, just bang, bang, bang. Pump fake, open, Kano Dillon. Fighting, touchdown. Pump fake. See, that's what you're talking about, the fire screen out there. Pump that open. Kano Dillon, by the way, there's a guy that we were talking about could make an impact with the injury to uh, Cam McCormick. Cam McCormick, right? And here comes this grad transfer from USF. 
telling you, this is a physical cat, number 85. Yeah, we thought Jacob Breeland would get – he got a little time, and even Ryan Bay was going to play. Spencer Webb, they talked about, right, a little bit of Spencer Webb. But, no, Kalen Dillon got some got some time, and big boy. Yeah. Look like almost a defensive end out there catching the ball. Big guy, number 85. Where have we heard that before? Farrell Brown, right? Ooh. I mean, that that was the 85. I mean, obviously, Farrell had the gruesome injury for uh, at the Utah game and, you know, never really was able to, to rebound from that to play at a high level. But uh, he did end up coming back. But you see a big guy in green, number 85, I think, of Farrell Brown. But now it's it's Cano Dillon, CUSF grad transfer. The Y position, right? The tight end. That's correct. It could be a QB's, you know, best friend in the, the pass game, the way that they can work over the middle of the field. And uh, Dylan, man, that's really impressive. There's a weapon at every, you know, position on the Duck offense. That's what I'm saying. I think they're underrated. I think from a talent perspective, and I know Neil, you love this because it's all prognostication and it's nothing real about this. You're you're, you're eating this up. Man. I'm telling you, I think the Ducks, from a talent standpoint, top 15 team in the country. Well, good for you. <laughs> Buy you a cookie or something. I, I I'm looking at stats though here. Again, we have 12 guys, Oregon receivers. I mean, Dylan Mitchell, Kano Dillon, Jalen Red, Tabari Hines, Schooler had four. I'm, it's <laughs> not just five or six guys, 12 guys. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Well, but you're still playing. These are, t- again, you get three preseason games. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like the four games, the red shirt. You know, we talked about this in the earlier segment with Jordan Ken about what an opportunity to play a lot of young guys, true freshmen, red shirt freshmen, sophomores, transfers, and then you can make a decision at game five. You can say, okay, the coaching staff, that's going to be a very different. It's like it's like the final cut down rate. It's like watching Hard Knocks. You're there with Hugh Jackson and the coaches and Hard Knocks. Who, we got to cut 20, 30 guys today. I mean, that's a tough decision. That's how it is now, especially now, 90 to 53 right. in the NFL. It used to go 90, 75, 53. Exactly. Yeah. So now the same thing in two, three weeks from now will be, hmm, who should we redshirt? Who wants to transfer? Kind of those kind of things right. plays a big part in the future of the, of the program. Yeah, and San Jose State, the, the problem is, like, I can have all these conversations all day. Can't draw any real conclusions till week four. But week four, we get a, it's the Ducks at home again. Week six, Ducks at home again for UW. But there is a sneaky road game week five at Cal. Cal's got a tough game tonight at BYU. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the other action around the Pac-12 in the top 25, Neil. And we're looking at Colorado and Nebraska. We're looking at Arizona State Michigan State. At least there's other games around the conference that are worthy of our attention. And it's not just uh, Ducks and non-conference foes. Yeah, and to me, when the Pac-12 conference games start, that's when, okay, where where would they be rated? How, how, how are they playing now? This is not Portland State. It's not Bowling Green. It's not San Jose State. And, you know, again, in Oregon State, here you go. You got Southern Utah. The, the Pac-12 conference games start telling you who's – the contending teams, or who's the pretending teams. And so it's going to be really exciting. So all this talk across the nations and the ratings and who should be top 20, way too early. Hey. Take your chill pill, hey. deep breath, go clean your room, come back, and we'll be fine. Just and we'll, I, I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it in a few weeks when real football starts, depending on who's going to be in the play, who's going to make what, what bowl game. That's when I get excited. You start getting late, you, middle man. of October late, and it's okay. There's Relax. a reason talk radio exists, Lomax. It's because we can make narratives out of nothing. And that's why I don't that's, listen, that's that's why why I don't listen to a lot of talk welcome, radio. I don't know what I'm doing world, here. Baby. I'm on a podcast. Welcome to my world. <laughs> here we go. Just get started on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Hit a break. Come back in four minutes' time. Hey, do you agree with me that the Ducks are underrated? Or do you agree with Neil Lomax, a two-time Pro Bowler, nine-time NFL veteran, college football Hall of Famer? 
<laughs> that one can wait until October to draw any conclusions. You can sound off at 503-417-7575. You can tweet at 1029 The Game. Oregon College Football Post Game Show on 1029-750 The Game. 503-417-7575. You can sound off on the Ducks win over Portland State with Neil Lomax. Won your bet, Neil, with Jordan Kent. Man, yeah. I, I can't wait for that coconut milk, big old vente. I don't want any of stevia or stevia, the crap yeah. he puts in it. I don't know what he's talking about. Guy's in too good a shape. Way, <laughs> way too good a shape for Yeah, me. yeah. But he's young. Young, good looking. What am I? Knows his stuff, though. Well, you're young. <laughs> you got that 50 50 coin toss going for you. Ah, uh, Jude, I love you. Thanks a I lot, love man. You. I got I to gotta pump up some of my Vikings, okay? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought. Delaney Easton played really well. I really did. AKA Russell Wilson. He was running around a lot. He was kind of making some plays, extend the plays. He ran a lot of triple threat. And I mean a lot of zone read. He could have pulled it. It's the option. They had Charlie T coming to kind of round for that little motion, little fly sweep action. Doing a lot of misdirection to try to get to the edge. And then with with the defensive ends of Oregon, um, you know, you got Jelks and Hollins is outside and Austin Filula. Those guys were so tight outside. They kind of made sure they were contained as well. I just want to give him props. I thought he came in well for Davis Alexander played, you know, two or three series. Uh, Velasquez came in, and, and Bruce Barnum told us that, right, Judah? He did tell us he's going to go a three-headed monster, extend the game a little, not extend the game, but extend his playing times with those guys to see what he can get some creases. And Jelani played really well offensively. Defensively, I got I to gotta bring up Noah Yunker. I, I'm trying to find tackles here. Um, you can pull it up. I'm looking on the statistics. Yeah, they don't the have box it on store. Uh, yeah, ESPN but uh, he came number. up, and we all we talked about number nine, um, the linebacker for uh, um, Portland State. You know, yeah. Houston Barnes, Barnes played well. Samias played well from the kid from Tigard. But I want to give Yonker some some props. He played really well, made a lot of tackles, and he's from Be- Summit Summit High School and Bend. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the Summit Storm. Um, Samiz Kofi, I saw him make a couple plays. Your Roosevelt, Roosevelt Bud, he was in there, and and, and you got to admit, Oregon rushed the ball. Uh, I think they had 47, 48 carries, and almost in three quarters. And Portland State's defensive line held their own. A few creases there, made some big plays. They got to the edge on a couple stretches that Oregon was able to pop. Right, but other than that, uh, bottled them up pretty good. Well, see, that's the thing, and you mentioned it in the pregame show. Explosive plays. Limiting the big play is how you play defense in, in Division One college football now. And unfortunately for Portland State, Oregon still rushed for 6.3 yards a carry. You know, 47 carries, 296 rush yards as a team, and five touchdowns. Those stats on the face of it might not look that good for Portland State. But in the second half, when you as a team and as a unit have an opportunity to wilt, you have an opportunity to pack it in, Portland State didn't do that. They kept fighting at the trenches, which I was impressed with. Well, for, you know, but still 300 yards. Uh, well, yeah, the raw still stats are good, but, but I mean... The explosive plays did not happen in the passing game. You see Oregon mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's an 85-yarder. There's a 79-yarder. There's a 68-yarder. They're going to suck you in and go... You, you didn't see a lot of those explosive... You saw some chunk plays. They made some good plays uh, inside the hashes and all that, but again, 47 rushes and really only three and a half quarters. It kind of... Um, and, and the amount of rushing yards from each player... The, the, the diversity, how they mixed it up, it's it's got a lot of athletes. They're not they're not concerned about one or two guys we have to have in there. And again, you can do this in these first three weeks. You can. This is what I think the, the Mario Cristobal plan is. Right. Who do I got? Who's the guys who can play? I want to get them all. Um, I was hoping to see Tyler Shuck 
playing this game. Me too. Maybe they'll throw him a bone against San Jose State. I don't know what the situation's got to be, but when you're up by 50 points and 45, 60 points, you know, play the kid. Uh, that's my only question, too. I like to see what he can do. Uh, Otson, and it's not the second team in practice Monday through Friday. I want to see him play on a Saturday. You know, here's the thing, too. Like, we're getting a little impatient with all these non-competitive on the scoreboard football games. But you're not going to have this forever, Duck fans. Think about this. 2019 week one, Auburn in a neutral site game. (laughs) Money game. It's a big game. It's a big, it's a money game, too. It's a big money game. Like, they don't need it, but it's a big money game. Big game. Yeah. 2020, the alma mater of Carson Wentz comes into Eugene, North Dakota State. The Bison? Week one. The Bison. That's right. Not to be con- confused with the Fighting Hawks here at North Dakota playing the Huskies. Not to be confused. God. <laughs> North. God. Sorry. <laughs> really? North, North Dakota, Dakota State week one in Hudson. Week two, the Ohio State comes to Eugene. Dang. So my point is, look, every once in a while, this was Washington's non-conference schedule last year was Cupcake City. And ESPN made fun of it the whole way. They put little cupcakes on the sideline and put it in there. What kind of frosting? Sideline on those? shot. You see, kind I'm, of I'm a chocolate like, guy. Chocolate frosting? Yeah, I think it was All chocolate right. maybe with sprinkles. Cupcakes. Okay. Jordan Kent doesn't eat those. Or, or we don't know that he does. Well, we, it doesn't show I, up. I, that guy could eat whatever he wants to eat. Okay? Yeah. That, that's kind of body he's got. Put, that dude's going to work it. He's going to work it out somewhere. Coconut milk. Yeah. Almond milk. Cupcakes. Yeah. Uh, but... Needless to say, the Ducks' non-conference schedule Auburn and is Ohio State, I mean, and it's not. Pat, it's how Dang. about 2021? You host Jeff Tedford in Fresno State, if Tedford's still there. <laughs> week two, you're at Ohio State in 2021. In 2022, Georgia Week One. In 2023, you have Texas Tech on the schedule. That's a home and home that is done again in 2024 in Boise State in 2024. Between now and 2000 and 26, you've got some type of, well, I guess Boise State wouldn't technically be Power 5, but between now and 2024, you'll have a Power 5 opponent in your non-conference schedule. And there's something to be said for that. That's, so that's now, impressive. Since, you, let's, since let's, you have it in 2018, you know, rack up the stats while you can get them. Let's get Justin Herbert to New York. Make the most of it. Ten total touchdowns in six quarters. I mean... What what, what can you say? This is why some people like the NFL better than college football, though. It's because you don't get these type of games. It's not easy to perform what people have expectations for you as well as you put on yourself. Let me make clear. So Justin has these higher expectations for himself. He expects to do this and more. Okay, he does. He he, he expects to have these kind of outings, the effect of this. And to him, it's not the touchdowns. It's executing the throws. He's executing the adjustments they make as receivers. See, folks, this is not about, okay, you run a five-yard slant, and you run a little wheel, and, hey, why don't you go 10 yards and come across the middle? No, they have these concepts. They have combos. We have a number. We have a passing tree. And all those have adjustments based on coverage, based on a blitz. So if you're not on the same page, you see the kind of bad throw. I mean, he made one. It was early in the game. I put a note on it. He was going to his left. He was rolling to his left, and he throws this dart to Dylan. And I don't care if you know how if you're a right-handed quarterback and you are sprinting to your left and you're being pressured by a 6'5", 275 defensive inner linebacker. And he swivels his hips, and he turns his shoulders, he throws an absolute dime to Dylan. That is impressive. Then he comes back and throws a little teardrop touch. 
And, and those are the things I see him do over and over. And what I love about him, he's ticked because he muffed a snap. That's what he's going to talk about. See, I shouldn't have muffed that snap. What does that show about him? Is that greatness or is that being a perfectionist? Do you have to be a perfectionist to play quarterback? Well, you want to be. I mean, no one's going to be that. There's no way you can't because you're going to throw a ball that, oh, how did that come off? But that's why you throw it 50, 60 times like I did in college a game. He's going to throw 28, 27, 29. I mean, here he was, though, 20 for 26. But that's, again, has got to be adjusted because you can't catch the, you can't the drops. And then what if the ball was way behind someone and someone made a hell of a catch? I mean, J.J. made a great catch in that fade. Yeah. They were both. That was a contested little fade from 15 yards. That was a beautiful ball. But still, Johnson made a great catch. So, And you think of the guys like Dylan who fought five extra yards. That so they gave him a touchdown. Exactly. Touchdown. exactly. And you the mean, J.J. three fade is after Barney goes for it on fourth and nine. That's kind of giving you an extra drive in plus territory. But, he, but, but he executed that 45-yard drive, Justin Herbert did, in less than 48 seconds. Beautiful. That's impressive. And that's what he expects. Perfectionist, I don't know if he's OCD about that. I just know the guy expects every time I go out there, I'm going to execute to the best of my ability. And he does it. He does it very well. Yeah, he's a very, very impressive uh, quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to take your calls as well at 503-417-7575. We'll go ahead. We'll hit the break. We'll be back in four minutes. We'll get you some game day traffic. If you're on your way back from Watson Stadium or from watching the game, wherever you may be, you know, go ahead and give us a call. Your thoughts on the uh, Portland State game with the Oregon Ducks. Final score, 62-14. to 14. Are the Ducks underrated? Or what player is your favorite so far through two? There's an easy question. Your favorite player. That you've seen from Oregon through two weeks. 503 417 7575. It's the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, 1029 750 the game. Boy, a lot of good action around the back 12 right now. Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Tense times. Nebraska's debut of Scott Frost, their home opener after having week one canceled due to weather against Akron. They have a one-point lead right now on the Colorado Buffaloes. Neil Lomax joins me. I'm Judah Newby on the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. 102-9750 the game. You can call in as well with your reaction to the Duck victory, 62-14, 503-417-7575. And as we speak, Lomax, turnover at Memorial Stadium. It looked like Colorado just got a uh, pick six, but I'm not sure if they're going to rule it such. I think they're going to call the quarterback was down, and he was, yes. True true freshman quarterback, uh, Taylor Martinez, the very first true freshman ever to start for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And that's a long story history of some quarterbacks. We were talking about Eric Crouch. Wow. Remember that name? And uh, and Scott Frost uh, joining, I think, Jonathan Smith at the first year. Guys who played for their team or played quarterback for their team and then end up being the head coach for their team. That's special. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's special. This is the buffs, but this is this is old big eight, big seven. We kind of talked about that in the opening segment, how the history of these two teams going way back in the day with McCartney against Tom Osborne. And we were talking about so Tom Osborne and Mike Rogier, who I had a chance to play against a little bit. He came in a little after me, but Hall of Fame for the uh Cornhuskers football hall of fame, right? Bob Delaney, too. Is that correct? Devaney, yeah. Devaney. They put Devaney, Osborne, and Rozier all into their athletic Hall of Fame today before this game with Colorado. 
My question is, yeah, well, yeah. what took so long? Well, what Tom Osborne? Tom they Os- should name the whole damn Hall of Fame ceremony. It should be the Tom Osborne Hall of Fame ceremony. That's what I'm saying. What's going on there? I don't but know no, why it great took so game, twenty-one but... twenty, uh, Nebraska, third quarter, six minutes left. You know, uh, and this is the first of a home and home. Nebraska returns to favor and comes to Colorado. Those Nebraska at Colorado games, they were showing some of them on the Pac-12 network, those classics earlier. That has a special aesthetic feel, too, when Nebraska plays at Colorado, these former uh, conference rivals. I tell you what, these two teams, Neil, they they constituted the late last eight conference championships in the Big 8 conference before the Big 8 became the Big 12. Mm-hmm. The last eight conference titles were either Nebraska or Colorado in the late 80s, early 90s. And you got to throw Oklahoma in there. I mean, look at right. the style of plays now. If you look back 20, 25 years, and we were talking about this with Coach Aliotti, with Nick, about the, the difference of play of spreading out these offenses. I mean, going sideline to sideline now, you look how Oklahoma plays in the last 10, 15 years. You look how now Colorado has been playing, even when um, Barnett was there and New Heisel came in for a few years. Hawkins. Dan Hawkins was there for a couple of years, right? He was. He was there. Uh, now here comes Mike McIntyre. And then Scott Frost, that Nebraska, to see Nebraska go kind of, quote, spread uh, for Cornhusker fans, that's something new. But this is the day and age of spread them out, sideline to sideline, open spaces, and run the football effectively. And have a very good athletic running quarterback. That, that's, that's the thing that I think has changed when I watch this game, college football, last 10, 15, 20 years, that athletic running style of quarterback. Can't do that in NFL. You won't last very long. <laughs> you just won't last very long with a running quarterback. You can't do that. you got to protect that guy. But in college, you still get away with it. It's so exciting to watch. Nebraska just scored another touchdown to go up 28-20. to Adrian Martinez, the true freshman, sending one down the field for J.D. Spielman. You know, Duck fans that might be casually familiar with Nebraska's roster, since these two teams played in Week 2 of last season at Autzen Stadium, and they played in Week 3 of 2016 in Lincoln, right. back when, uh, obviously, Mike Riley was there. And uh, 2016 was the final year for Mark Elfrich. And, of course, last year was the only year for Willie Taggart. But J.D. Spielman was a good player on that Nebraska team. Uh, last year they had a, another really good running back that I think uh, wasn't able to play this year because of injuries, uh, Bryant, Trey Bryant. Um Ended up retiring from college football, from what I remember. But, you know, here's my question, Neil. You started as a true freshman quarterback at Portland State. We're talking about JT Daniels at USC, and now this Adrian Martinez, a true freshman starting at Nebraska. What about these offenses makes it, makes it, is it any easier, do you think, as a true freshman to start right away out of college in 2018 than it was back in the day? I don't think you use the word or the term easier. Yeah. I think they're more prepared. Uh, these high school programs now, and with the off-season camps, the, the passing leagues, the seven-on-sevens, uh, I've been involved with Nike for years and put it on the opening, uh, the Elite 11 competitions. These these high school athletes, that's what they are. They still, These kids play baseball. Kids still play basketball, and they should. I highly recommend all these guys. I get parents all the time. Hey, Coach Lowe. Hey, Neil. Should my kid just play football? No. Play all three. Just do something. Be active your entire high school career. Just just be active. Play lacrosse. Play basketball. You got time for Don't be one sport specific. I, I just don't agree with that. But some of these kids are. They, they're so well prepared. I'm not surprised by it. Now, JT Daniels, come on now. He should still be a senior in high school. Right. And he's at USC. 
That's no ordinary USC. quarterback job. There's not, you know, no disrespect to like New Mexico or Colorado State or Fresno. This is USC, and he beats out two sophomores and a junior that were there. When Adrian Martinez. So Adrian Martinez, true freshman, yeah. but they're just. He's from Fresno, California. Another California talent. Well, that's one thing about Scott Frost. He's been everywhere. That's the thing. If you look at the Scott Frost map of his coaching career, he's been everywhere. And he played in the NFL, too. It wasn't just a quarterback. He was kind of the athlete, defensive back, wide receiver with the Jets for a few years. I remember his career. A little short, but it was sweet. And so he knows where to go. He was at Oregon. He probably should take – I give him more credit to bringing in all these athletes at Oregon under Chip Kelly. Frost was out there recruiting all these kids. Right. And that's how he built UCF into the best turnaround, single-season turnaround. I mean, he inherited an 0-12 team and turned them into a bowl team in one year that, that's and turned them into a perfect incredible. team in two years. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, do you think Nebraska contends for a national championship under Scott Frost? The way Not, he can recruit? That, that's, I, I wouldn't say in the next three or four years, no. No. Now, is he going to stay there? For the rest of his career, because he is loyal. He is a Cornhusker. I mean, so he stays there 10, 15 years? I'd say yes. You give him 10, 15 years, they can stay. We're talking about the longest 10-year. That was an interesting trivia. It was. You you did. You brought this up. I was shocked that there's only like three or four guys that have been around more than 15 years. And they're not named Bill Snyder. (laughs) Bill Snyder. Well, that's kind of an asterisk. Yeah, it's an asterisk. That was an asterisk. You're right. I mean, and one of them's in the Pac-12. Kyle Whittingham. 14th year at Utah now. Longest tenured head coach in the Pac-12. Third longest tenured head coach in the country. The other two, I, when I saw third, I was like, who are the other two? Yeah. It's got to be Bill Snyder. Bill Snyder. We, we both said Bill Snyder from yeah. Kansas State. I thought it was like 25, 30 years. He took over there in 88, and then he left in 05 for a four-year span. I can't remember if it was health-related or what, but he came back in 09. So technically, it's not a single tenure there. It's a It's a two-shift tenure, but the other two longest tenured, Gary Patterson at TCU has been there since 2000. That's a lot of towels he's been through, man. That <laughs> boy could perspire, too. Holy cow, that's a lot of towels. He's Really? Yeah. Wow. And the longest tenured head coach in D1 college football, Kirk Ferentz. Iowa. Iowa. The Hawkeyes. Oh, big big rivalry game today. Yeah. Hey, Cyclones, Hawks. That's right? huge. Holy cow. All right, we'll get you an update on Iowa, Iowa State, and all the other top 25 action across the country and in the Pac-12. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. It's the Oregon College Football Post Game Show, part of Oregon College Game Day on 1029 and 750 The Game. Peter Sampson also will have a college football update for you. Coming up. Welcome to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax, presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Second down. Herbert for the end zone, looking for Jalen Red. Touchdown, Ducks. 18 yards, Herbert to the sophomore Red. Fourth career touchdown catch. For Jalen Red in Oregon strikes first. 503 417 7575. Who is your favorite duck to watch through two weeks of the season? You can chime in right now at 503 417 7575. This is the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax on 1029 750 the game. 
call in, talk a little football with Neil. It's a lot of fun. I've been doing it now for about five hours through two weeks. I've, I've learned immensely more football it's, than I ever knew. It is going to get so much better. Yeah. We're, we're just we're just in pregame. Yeah. I mean, we've got like 25 minutes. We still have to go pat and go, special teams, stretch, if, if dynamic, if coin talk. This, this, has, this hasn't even been a stock. <laughs> we haven't teed it up yet. And by the way, nice tee up there because we're talking about favorite players. And I was thinking about my guys that I've been seeing the last couple weeks with Oregon and we're talking about in the break here. Let's take away Justin, you know Herbert, offensively. Offensively, to me, uh, you're picking up, and and I ha- I'm glad uh, he put it on there as as the the tape right there from Jerry Allen. Jalen Red is my mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Jalen Red. I mean, he's just productive. He's got like four touchdowns or something, five, six catches, and it's incredible. So I'm gonna take Jalen Red offensively, defensively. I'm gonna go with my my big boy, who's who's the two gapper, Jordan Scott. Love watching that guy play. He's taking two or three gaps in the middle. He's taking away anything through that A-B gap, the 0-1-2 technique right there on the nose. Love watching that guy play. My guy on offense, Travis Dye. This mm. is the guy that's farther down on the depth chart. Travis Dye. Troy Dye's little brother. Okay. He doesn't look imposing, and that's why I think I like him. 5'8", well, well, I'm 5'8". Well, what running back looks imposing there? They're all, they're, they're all the same. They're just coming out of the same mold, man. Well, they're that, not that Royce is... Freeman. They're not the Royce Freeman. Yeah. They're all pretty much the same mold. They look very athletic. But, sorry. I well, no, no. I, I interrupted you, you again. I just think Travis Dye is, he's just a little bit more uh, slider of frame than even the guys on the Duck roster. Yeah. I mean, 5'8". I mean, Taj Griffin's kind of in that category. Da- yeah, yeah, Taj okay. is in the same. Taj in the same. But the wheels on this cat, I mean... This year, 11 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's good. that's a great yards per, per average clip. And it's it's a guy that I think we may have assumed would be redshirted because of the depth in that backfield. But I don't know, man. I mean, with the new redshirt rule, you get four games to prove yourself. And I think Mario Cristobal might be like, I'm not sure if I can afford to redshirt this guy. He, have to, he might have to play himself into being an integral member of the running back rotation when conference play comes. Yeah. I, this is kind of the preseason for him. Yeah, and can you afford to play this these many guys in Stanford game? This this is the depth they have. They're, they're proven. I, I love it, though. I love to see uh, all these athletes get in the game from all these from receivers, running, different positions, the motion. Uh, the diversity of the offense is so impressive to me, how they move around. And basically, you're running the same place. That's what that's what football fans can understand. We're not calling 13, 14, 15 different plays. You have your lead, you have your zone, you have a power, you have a counter. That those are pretty much the four or five basic run plays, but you use 15, 16 different formations with motions. That's what gets the defense out of adjustment. That's what gets the defense out of alignment. That's what you want. You want them to make a mistake, but you're running basically up front the same place. Right. And, and Jordan Kent talked about it. The guards, the guards will take you play side like 80% of the time. They will take you to the play if you watch film because that's where they're pulling. We're blocking down and pulling, and it's it, it, it's just a fun thing to watch that Oregon can move around, make do a lot of motions, a lot of different formations, and run basically the same place. I was watching Philly-Atlanta Thursday night, and Chris Collinsworth was pointing this out, but obviously Doug Peterson has been doing a lot of development with the run-pass option, and Philly has been starting to split their offensive line where one side would run block and the other side would pass pro. 
I don't know if I I mean that that's RPO to the next level where you get to choose which side of the field you want to execute your play and you can run block one way or you can you can pass to the back side of the field the other way. Well or or you're showing defensively they're re, they're doing keys. So the linebackers and safeties and linemen are reading keys. So you see the left guard and left tackle pop up to block, their hats are high. Boom. You're you're taking your run step and you're flying in the zone. Right. And you're still going to run a lead. Right. So you brought a nice play. little misguided, a little misinformation there that they're disguising a run play, and you call it run play option, run pass option. Um, that's interesting how some teams now at the pro level you probably can do that, make that step like you're blocking a pass because your hat your hat's high, but actually you're running a power or a zone. That's that's pretty difficult to do technique wise. How does that compare to the run and shoot that you were playing? In, in college, was there a lot of formation changes? Was there a lot of a lot of motion n- nuance in the in the playbook, or was it a lot of the simple stuff that you would just execute, execute, yeah. execute? Death by paper cut, almost take a big shot when you get death one. Death by paper cut, yeah. Wait, well, was well, that... we, we would, yeah, we'd roll right or roll left, which is a reach block right, reach block left. Offensive line, we're just kind of reaching. We pretty much let the anything from the three gap, or we call it the B gap, to left on, let him go because I'm rolling to the right. Okay. I am going to the right. My fullback would pick up the edge. And again, whatever play we called, which would just be a simple rip scramble right or a, a deuce thirty three, but that meant several different routes to based based on coverage. It was all reading coverages. We whatever they did, they were wrong. That was our philosophy. That's you play that zone, you play that bump man. We're gonna adjust, and, and but again, you got practice. Whatever those eleven guys were doing, we just felt you're gonna be wrong. Whatever they did, they were wrong. Yeah, that's beautiful. And most of the time, we were right. Yeah, that's man. a good. That's a good thing. That's how you get in the College Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, let's go out to Northeast Portland. Uh, Pat is out in Northeast Portland. Do we got the phone lines uh, up on the board here? There we go. What's up, Pat? How you doing? Hey guys. Um, you guys, I, I don't know. I'm a big Oregon fan, and uh, I don't know how good Oregon's going to do this year. But uh, Herbert's a Jedi. Where he was putting that ball today, he did not look like a college player. He looked like a, a pro player. He looked like somebody playing in the NFL tomorrow, like maybe Andrew Luck or something. I mean, the spots he was putting those balls, I mean, I I couldn't believe it. What throw in particular impressed you today, Pat? Uh, a couple of them. He threw yeah. a, one low, a ball low on purpose that the guy dropped. That was one of them. Early in the game, uh, right. Mitchell. Yeah, there, there was one over the top in the end zone that was in an absolute one little spot that the, the ball could be caught, and it was. Um, there's another one he hit on a slant that a guy dropped. It was direct in his gut. I mean, those were NFL throws, you guys. I mean, yeah. I know a lot about football, and, and those those didn't look like college at all. <laughs> what do you guys think? Well, see, that's the thing. I, I mean, I love the phone call, Pat, and uh, and thanks. And you can chime in at 503-417-7575. Pat says he knows a lot about football, and he thinks those are NFL throws. You know, I got a guy that just played nine years <laughs> in the NFL, a college football Hall of Famer. Neil Lomax were those NFL throws. He's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Spot on. That away, Pat. No, they, they are. And I, I would say, though, watching college football the last 10 to 15 years, a lot of guys are making NFL throws. That's why they're there. I mean, we are talking about this with Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago. That's why there's five number one draft picks, and they had choices on all four or five of them to start on their teams. From Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold's going to start. So Justin Herbert, yeah, you might get drafted by a team next year. The problem is you might have to start. You might have to start for that 2-14 and 14 team, That's wherever right. that might be. 
We're going to see Sam Darnold debut Monday Night Football. Unbelievable. So Pat is absolutely right. The guy, I, and I've been pumping this Justin Herbert up for the last two weeks because I like the kind of guy he is off the field right? as well as I like him on the field. And that's the three-dimension part that a lot of fans understand, the three-dimension part of this athlete. And this kid, no question, the physical tools are there. I just, when I'm hearing about him and reading about him, hearing about his family, the Eugene background, Sheldon High School, the dad, the grandpa, the Wilcoxes all involved with this family. Man, this guy's got the mental part and the heart. You put those three dimensions together, he's a special talent. He uh, talked to the media a little moment ago. Justin, I'll ask a similar question about the offense. Uh, talk about your offensive line. It was pretty good last year, and Coach Cristobal thinks it's going to be a really special group that will be able to run power and do a lot of things. You talk about your offensive line, where you think it is, and then your skill positions, which, you know, there's no Royce. There's, a, you know, a lot of, lot of guys, but uh, sounds like Cristobal's happy with a lot of guys making plays. What about your skill guys? Yeah, I think the best thing about the offensive line is that we've got eight guys that, that we all trust. Um, eight guys that can rotate in there and, and we don't miss a beat. And, um, they're young and they ca- they all came back from last year and, and uh, losing a guy like Tyrell is tough, but we got a, we got a, we found another left tackle who's, who's done a pretty good job. Um, and those skill guys they've they've done done a great job. They just get keep getting better every day. Um, they're they're in their the film room. They're out on the jugs and and they're doing their best and and uh, they're young, but they're making plays and and uh, it's it's going to be fun. I can't help but think Neil Lomax that. A guy's leadership style, like Justin Herbert, elevates the effort, the attention to detail. It just elevates the role players around him. Like, they want to perform at a high level because they know they've got a special opportunity to play with a quarterback like this. Yeah, and a great sign of a really, really good quarterback, which I think he already is a really good quarterback. He's, he'll become a great one. He deflects the praise to others, and he accepts the criticism. A lot of guys can't do that. They accept the praise and deflect the criticism. This guy will do that in that press room. I love to talk about the, the, the skill guys. I love that, the skill guys. So he's not just talking about the running backs and the wide receivers, the tight It's the skill guys. I love it. They they're all the, they're the, and they got to go in the jugs machine. You know there's no reason why they're going the jugs machine? Because you, you crank that dang thing up to about 8,500 <laughs> miles an hour because that's what Justin's going to come with. You better get on that damn jugs machine because I'm going to bring some heaters. I love it. It's yeah. a hard they're knocks, out there man. The, they're out there on the jugs machine. They threw uh, Njoku in front of the jugs yeah. machine on hard knocks <laughs> from like 10 feet away. You just got to, you know, how fast could you throw a, a pass? Fast enough. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do you, would they ever... But, uh, Radar gun it? No. It's a football. I'm not <laughs> pitching six, seven innings, and I'm not getting $30 million a year to be a pitcher. I should have been a pitcher. No. Joe Montana taught me a long time ago my two Pro Bowls with no. Joe Montana. Wow. I said, hey, Joe, how far how, No, Joe, how far can you throw? He was far enough. Far enough on every play. Damn. I'll, I'll accept that. Was Joe Montana a system quarterback? A system quarterback? Yeah. Well, he's one of the best quarterback. What do you mean a system quarterback? Was he uh was it no, a, no, was I, the West Coast a perfect system for his skill set? See that West Coast thing again, the whole that way too much credit on where it came from, who did it. It was just a complete balance offense, two split backs, a tight end, an X and a Z. It Three wasn't step, spread. Five step. Under the center. I don't think Joe ever took a shotgun. No. Joe Montana did you? never took a shotgun. Yeah, I did. I mean in the NFL, but yeah. did you have PSU? No. Never did it poor right. stick. Never. But in the pros, yeah, we did. We started doing that and started going, God, the Cowboys, that's kind of interesting. They're doing like every other play now with a shotgun. Let's, that might be a good idea. So very impressed with Joe, his accuracy, efficiency, and 
I think I think they won a couple Super Bowls or something like that. I think one. They, yeah, <laughs> kind of kind of snuck one someplace in the eighties. Yeah, with Bill, in there. Bill Walsh. Took a year, you know. <laughs> Have, you, you've seen Remember the Titans. Yeah. So there is a scene in there yeah. where, uh, and I can't remember the name of the high school, but uh, you know, Denzel Washington's high school, Ned Yost's high school. They're yeah. playing against the opposition, and they go into the shotgun, and they're like. Hey, who do these guys think they are? The New York Jets? It's like 70s high school football. They've never seen a shotgun formation before. Here we are, you know, 40 years later. Everybody's running a shotgun. I, I'm surprised when people go under center yeah. these days. Does anybody know how to catch a snap under center anymore? That's fascinating. There, well, there's a whole to conversa- about, conversation about uh, offensive evolution. We'll go away. We, we owe you a break. We'll come back in four minutes' time. Let's take a look at other games in the Pac-12. We're finally going to get into this. Break down some of this action. Nebraska-Colorado, a one-point game. One-point game. Let's go, Buffs. Do it for the Pac-12. And USC-Stanford. Who does Neil Lomax like in that game? That kicks off at 5.30 tonight. You've got the Oregon College Football Post Game Show on 1029-750 The Game. Call in, talk football with Neil Lomax at 503-417-7575. Two Pro Bowls with Joe Montana. I mean, how much, how much, how fun was that? Well, it wasn't really fun the first time because we were getting beat by the AFC, and he comes up to me. So he played the first quarter because he got he got a couple more votes than I did. I guess that's what, no, that's. I don't believe I, it. I, I I wanted to recount. I did. <laughs> no, I was just so man. I was so proud to be there with those guys and everything in '84. That was a blast. But yeah, so Joe, I never forget this. We get in the locker room. And I think we're up by ten or something. He played the first quarter, played the second quarter, so he's gonna play the third quarter. He goes, hey, hey, uh, hey, Lomax. But is it, by the way, is that your name? Is it Lomax? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Lomax, of Cardinals. Okay. Um, hey, can you just go ahead and take the third quarter for me? <laughs> what? what? You know? What? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done. You know, I don't, don't want to get hit anymore. That's God's honest truth. That's amazing. So, but he did. He did. He did play about half the third quarter, and then I came in, and. uh you know, uh, my memory, uh, the only memory I know, I, I was waking up in the middle of the night and going, Mark Asano, Mark Asano, Mark Asano. Can someone please put a hand on Mark Asano? I don't think anybody knows who Mark Asano is. Do you even who you know he is? No. You don't? Mark Asano? Google that. New York Jets. Pro Bowl pass rusher the hair. Jets. Oh, my God. Okay. He somehow, some way, he paid off my left tackle. I'm, he must have gave more than 10 grand. <laughs> How are you getting hit in a Pro Bowl game? That's not right. Well, it's not right. It, well, it, yeah. Well, they weren't supposed to blitz either, but tell Kenny, Kenny easily that. Who's the D God. coordinator of those games? They, they had nobody. They don't care. They, nobody had headsets or anything. They all wearing Hawaiian shirts and lays on, you know, the flowers and pina coladas. And it's just, it's a laid back. It was a laid back deal. I mean, guys didn't, on their, Lawrence Taylor didn't show up until Friday. He played on <laughs> Sunday. Mark Gastineau of the New York Jets, five time Pro Bowler. He had 107 and a half sacks. Well, the reason why he went to four more Pro Bowls because he sacked me nine times in the first one. That's crazy. He went to East Central Oklahoma State. Ooh, that's like directional school twice over. I love when you Google stuff. I, I know. You just bang. I'm learning so much about it. I tell you what, this Nebraska Colorado game. You guys can get home. I don't know if you're driving in the streets and driving home from on I-5 from the Oregon game. Get to a TV. This is a great game. It's 10 minutes left. Uh, Nebraska by one, 28-27, fourth quarter. Colorado is driving, though. I really like Steven Montez, the Colorado quarterback. Good leadership. He throws a good ball. He's a seasoned guy. Um, makes a lot of really good throws. <laughs> as, we, 
It just was, now, now, he just see, missed a back shoulder. That's now why you it's just, funny. You just say that. But yeah. you, so you think that's his fault? No. Not yeah, yes, you do. No. Yes, you do. Hey, you, you just think that throw you're putting is words his in fault. my mouth. You're putting words in my mouth. That, I just said that he is. Yeah, I just said I, on the radio he throws a good ball. I don't know what's so funny about that. But you kind of snickered because you thought that was a really poor decision and a poor pass. I Not saw at it all. Your, yeah, I snickered because it's incomplete. I don't know whose fault so it was. It's incomplete. Whose you, fault you was it? You naturally blame the quarterback. I'll no, not necessarily. I've learned my I've learned my lesson. Not right. anymore. I'm telling I'm you right now. I'm blaming the receiver. Nine out of ten times, ran the wrong route. that receiver did not adjust correctly and run the three route, which is a ten yard out. Nine out of ten times, he Montez through the three through the out. Yeah, that's what a three route is. Ten yard out. Okay, uh, and he cuts in. So okay, I'm giving the benefit of doubt to Montez. Okay, all right. I'm so hold- stop it over there. I'm holding the football <laughs> in the host chair right now. You know, grabbing the laces, thinking I can run out and throw throw a route. Colorado, ooh, just missed a Didn't field miss goal. Hmm. Just missed it. 28-27, Nebraska still out in front of that one. That that could be a big feather in the cap, though, even though Nebraska's not in the top 25 or anything. If a Pac-12 team like Colorado is not picked to finish first or second in their division, can win a road game at a Big Ten team, anytime that happens, that's, that salvages something for the conference. Because, Neil, we talked about this last week a little bit as well. From a national perception standpoint, Pac-12 not getting no, respected right now. Not at all. We are we are kind of the 4A, 5A schools of the 6A competition right now. And True. and then right now in in that conference, Scott Frost, the expectations are high. The bar has been raised, just like Chip Kelly. The, the expectations down at Westwood for Chip Kelly to turn that program around right away are probably way way overblown, higher than than everybody should. But that's expect that's what you expect when you hire a Chip Kelly. Right. You do. And Scott Frost, all the surrounding hype and vibe around that hire to go back there to his school to take over and what he did at UCF, and Incredible. they kind of, it is. And so those that the bar is so much higher. So as fans, you're kind of watching. Well, God, Nebraska should win, and yeah, UCLA, UCLA should win. Don't forget, folks and college football fans, he inherited 80 percent of these scholar athletes, 80 percent of them have been there with the former coach. You just can't come in there and cut these guys. These are guys from the prior coaching staffs that recruited them. So it's going to take a while. But the bar again for the Chip Kellys and the Scott Frost, it's a short little window, a lot shorter window than other coaches get. Speaking of UCLA, they go into Norman today against six-ranked Oklahoma. Oklahoma was favored by 29.5 points by kickoff. And it was a 49-21 final. UCLA covers the spread. And I only say that, I mean, I know, Lomax, you're not all into the spread action as much as I am. But... You still got your butt kicked. You did. Yeah. But I know it's Oklahoma and everything, but still UCLA. It's not Oklahoma versus Arkansas State. So, come on, man. Come on, Chip. Help me out here. I'm pumping you up. They weren't (laughs) supposed to win this game. Okay, so lose 28-21. 35-31, your UCLA spread offense, but they do. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, young, young quarterback. So if that's his guy, give Chip and that guy a couple of years. I liked Dorian Thompson-Robinson today, 16 for 26, 254 yards. That's 9.8 yards on average per attempt. 9.8 per attempt, which is a lot better than the 4.5 yards per attempt that he had last week against Cincinnati. Also, uh, Chase Coda, Medford yeah. native. Chad's, Chad's son. Yeah. South Medford. Panthers. Former Duck great Chad Cota's son, Chase Cota. Four catches for 45 yards as a true freshman in his second game for UCLA. He had one catch last week against Cincinnati. So about five catches for 
I think 57 yards on the year for Chase Coda. True freshman. True freshman from Medford. Athlete. You know? and Dad was a great athlete. He's athlete. I saw them play the final game uh, in, the, in the state playoffs a year yeah. ago. Boy, that, you know, South Med had a great team. Uh, Bill Singler down there is a great coach. He's been there a long time. The Singler name down in Medford. Yeah. I feel like little, I've heard of that. Little Oregon State combo there, too. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. They had a Singler uh, OSU quarterback. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, well, Kyle Singler was in the news recently, too. I can't remember. who He got picked up by somebody? Not or a bad, he not got a, cut not, by Oklahoma City. That's a, what it was. But not a bad, but not a bad bat. Well, he's got a great career, though. Great career. Not a bad basketball player. I think he won a national title with Duke. He was on one of those national yeah. title teams. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun with those. Elsewhere around the Pac-12, we got a big game tonight. Stanford and Nebraska. And you know what? We're going to hold this. We're going to come back. Stanford-USC. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. yeah thank you. Stanford, for you. Stanford, USC. 17th-ranked Trojans at 10th-ranked Cardinal. We're going to talk about that game. I want Neil's thoughts on Cal, BYU, and, of course, Oregon State, Southern Utah coming up at 5 o'clock. Did the Beavers get a win against Southern Utah in this game? What's on the line for them? What did Lomax see in Week 1 at Ohio State that he thinks will translate well to Week 2? We'll get his thoughts about that. Plus, you can chat in as well. What's your favorite Oregon Duck to watch through two weeks of the season? Who's been most impressive in your mind? 503-417-7575. See Oregon College Football Postgame Show on 102.9-750 The Game. Great stuff in the back 12 today. UCLA loses at Oklahoma 49-21. UCLA 0-2 start. For only the second time in 20 years, they are home to Fresno State next week. So we'll see if Chip Kelly can get a win. Week four, UCLA is at Colorado. Colorado right now in a barn burner with Nebraska on the road. 28-27. Huskers lead that one in Scott Frost's debut in Colorado with the football at the 50. This is a big game, Neil Lomax, and it's been a fun one to watch. Great college football. Love college football. This is why. Uh, it's just... Awesome game right here. And I hope the rest of the Pac-12 games tonight. I'm, lo- I'm actually looking forward to the game I'm going to sit home and watch. Michigan State, Arizona State. Yep. I played against Herm Edwards. I, I, I really like Herm Edwards, but he's not playing. Okay? He doesn't get a chance to play. He can't play corner. He can't play safety. So I'm looking forward to watching Manny Wilkins. He's been there like nine years, I think. I, I mean, the guy's like, he looks like he's 35. But I love Camille Her- Harry. Nikhil Hallett. He Harry is a great receiver. He really is. Did you see his uh, touchdown last week against UT San Antonio? <laughs> I know it's UT it San Antonio. He catches like 10-yard hook, reverses field, goes from one sideline to the other and scores a touchdown, finishes with six catches for a buck 40 and two scores. That guy's a future first-round pick. I mean, it's, I, I'm a little bit wary of throwing NFL comps to guys coming out of college, no, no, but he's he, built like Julio Jones. No, he, he is. He is. Well, okay, and a, and a bigger version of Julio Jones is J.J., or set at Whiteside. I mean, that guy. Yeah. How about throwing to that guy at 6'7"? So, K.J. Costello will keep going to him. If they can't pound it with Bryce Love against USC, I know we're kind of changing channels a lot, but that's the two games tonight that really have, have piqued, well, piqued my interest is the late, late game of Arizona State hosting the, the Sparty, Sparty of Michigan State yeah. at Sun Devil Stadium where I played many a game. What's that like, that, uh, that Hot, venue? Hot. <laughs> I heard that it's going to be 106 it? degrees. It's 106 degrees at ASU at 7:30 at night. But that's a dry heat, though. Come on, it's a dry heat at night. What does that mean? Is yeah, that... that doesn't mean anything. I just I hear it when it's I went down hot. there. So a couple couple games we had one o'clock kicks. Okay. Sun Devil Stadium, 
I mean, and when we would play, if we brought in the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we did, we'd always wear our whites. Always wear our, our white jerseys. Let those boys. I mean, those Browns had them dark brown, ugly orange unis. Pittsburgh came in yellow, black socks. Gross. Black jerseys. They are sweating. And they had more IVs going on the sideline than anybody. That's what we wanted. But, man, it would be 110, 115. And they had those metal bleachers. I mean, you just met my wife today. You met my wife, Lori. She's like, I- I'm leaving. I'm going to a I'm bar. around here. Stay on, sit on a bleacher. You're sweating your butt. It was not good. <laughs> but, hey, the grass was awesome. It's sunny. It's Sun Devil Stadium. But anyway, looking forward to that game tonight. I think it's going to be a really good game. And I'm going to limb right now. I think the Sun Devils are going to pull it out. They're oh. going to beat Michigan State tonight. I thought I was going to go out on a limb, but I'm taking Arizona State oh. as well. It's Michigan State's five, favored by five. But I told you this in the pregame. Arizona State is 9-0 and at home against the Big Ten. They've never lost to a Man. Big Ten school you, you at bring the, you bring these, Stadium. You bring these stats out. There. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, also, who, who they really play from the Big Ten? Well, they're not just bringing they beat Purdue Wisconsin and, in 2013. Okay. That's something. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, also, I want your thoughts on this. Daryl Rogers, the former Michigan State coach and Arizona State coach, yeah. and he coached the Detroit Lions, for a long time. He passed away this past July at the mm. age of 83. Mm. He's being honored before the game tonight. He coached at ASU from 80 to 84. He coached at Michigan State from 76 to 79. He led Arizona State to the 1982 Fiesta Bowl, beating Oklahoma, who was and ASU was ranked sixth in the country at the end of that season. He led Michigan State to the 1978 Big Ten Championship, and he coached an All-American wide receiver at Michigan State in 1978, by the name of? In 78? Man. I'll give you a hint. He has one of the most famous home runs in World Series history. 1988. Game what, one. Kirk Gibson was Kirk the wide receiver? Gibson, All-American wide receiver for Daryl Rogers at Michigan State in 1978. Man, that's some pretty good trivia. You know what I found amazing about that, though, Neil? And you could probably speak to this, too, because you're encouraging people to play more than one sport growing up. Kirk Gibson, two-time MVP in the National League, two-time World Series winner, 84 with the Tigers, 88 with the Dodgers. He was an All-American receiver at Michigan State. He played one year of college baseball at Michigan State. That's it. One year of college baseball and became a first-round pick of the Tigers. One year of college baseball. Like, mm. you never see that anymore. The athleticism is, athleticism of a guy yeah. like that is like is mind-boggling. And you were talking about, when you were coming out of high school, you were seriously talking about playing college baseball at Washington State before Mouse Davis came yeah. calling. Yeah. Well, we didn't throw it all. That's the thing. I was throwing eight, nine times a game, and we had a great offense. We did very well in high school. But I didn't know my athletic bar, my athletic heights. I, I had aspirations to play college baseball. I was a very good pitcher. I also played first base, batted fairly well. I loved that sport. And, you know, we're in high school in those days. You played all three of them. You played football, basketball, baseball. Man, that's all we did is played all the time. So, um, But that's what these guys are doing now. That's what JT Daniels is doing. That's what these young quarterbacks are doing. That's why these freshmen are playing now. They've yeah. been playing these games since 9, 10 years old, and they're ready. They're prepared. So a lot of young guys are playing. Um, looking forward to that game. But, yeah, let's talk about that game. USC-Stanford. Now, yeah. here, here's something. USC allowed over 300 rushing yards to UNLV last week, and now they get Stanford's Bryce Love, who had 1.6 yards of carry last week. Something's got to give there. Does USC have what it takes to at least keep Bryce Love from taking over this game, or is this the game that Bryce Love gets right? 
Well, absolutely they do. I mean, if San Diego State can, USC can. But that, that's the thing about Stanford, not just about Bryce Love. They play that Shaw, Coach Shaw system, and I can't figure that out really. It's it's just lulls you to sleep, kind of what are you doing, off tackle, off tackle, and bang. It's a tight end, wide passing game system, meaning it's that receiver that's right next to the tackle. They'll bring a slot. They'll bring the, the Parkinson. They, I mean, how many NFL teams have a tight end from Stanford? Like every other one. They're all over They're all the place. place. Yeah. That's just what they do. And that play action you, and then they get a guy like Whiteside and a very, very smart. Okay, that's okay. You're at Stanford. You got a very smart quarterback, makes good decisions. They take care of the ball. And a, a stat that just blew me away today there were no fumbles or interceptions by either team from Portland State yeah. and Oregon. That's, that's a clean, clean game. That's why a lot of times it was a pretty fast game. No turnovers, no. Reversal, no instant replays. That was one of the better, cleaner, fun games to watch, despite the score. My Vikings got their butts kicked, okay? They did. They expected to get that. But that was a really clean game to watch. And Stanford, and my point is, Stanford plays that kind of game. Right. So right. They'll, they'll be in this game. I still think USC, somehow, someway, one of those athletes are going to make a play. And I'm telling you what's going to make it? Defense. They're going to get one or two defensive touchdowns. It's going to turn over. The, it's going to be the difference in this game. I think a point to be, you know, to think about the the rush attack that UNLV had last week. It was a lot of wildcat. It was a lot of you know the quarterback running the football. And as we speak, we're watching Colorado line up a 43 yard field goal to take the lead at Nebraska. Second wide one left. he's missed. Wow. If you're not seeing this right now, you got to see Mike McIntyre's face. It just, that you don't need to say anything. Just show that expression. It sums it up like, are you kidding me? And this is that's two in the last five minutes. Two missed field goals, yeah. both wide left in the last five minutes, and it's still a one-point Nebraska lead, and that was after a turnover to Colorado. Just got a pick to set up that chance. You need more from your offense, though, man. Don't settle for a ding 43-yard yeah. field goal after you pick it off and put yourself in plus territory. You got to get more than that. All right, back to USC Stanford, though, before we hit the break. I mean, UNLV ran for over 300 yards on USC last week, but a lot of it was their quarterback. A lot of it was that Wildcat. And that's, it's a different rush attack, obviously, that Stanford yeah. brings to the table. It's almost, I don't know, is it easier to game plan for, but harder to execute against? Yeah, you can't simulate the UNLV kind of quarterbacks. You can't yeah. simulate Oregon when yeah. you're playing defense like the Stanfords. How, when you play Oregon, who are you going to have line up there? and simulate Justin Herbert and the Oregon offense. That's the difficult part. I keep talking about this. It's so important to prepare. The, the private preparation precedes public performance. you got to privately prepare all the time. It's a lot of P's there, okay? But it's so important. It really is. And these colleges prepare with video, yep. film sessions, walkthroughs. But, man, how do you prepare for that when now you got UNLV one, and also now it's Stanford? So it's a difficult transition. You get six days to do it. Uh, I Again, my pick is USC by a touchdown. I'll take Stanford by a field goal reluctantly because I really like USC. So why, why would you want to say it reluctantly then? What, what's Either you're going to take it or you I don't take it. I will take Stanford by a field goal. Okay, there you go. That's all you need to say. This guy's coaching me. It's great. What? What's reluctant? Always, What's anything I'm, reluctant about it? Just well, I, I just because I'm, you know. Well, if you're not sure, then don't don't make the bet. No, you have to make a bet. It's the radio. It's live radio, man. <laughs> you know, there's no half foot in, half foot out. I'm giving you a pick. Yeah. All right, here we go. Oregon State. That's the last game we got to get to. We'll make a pick for that on the other side. I'm I'm gonna take Southern Utah.
No, I'm just kidding. What? We'll make a pick on the other side. Neil Lomax Jr. New Beats, the Oregon College Football Post Game Show, 1029-750 the game. Final segment of the Oregon College Football Post Game Show, Jr. Newbie, Neil Lomax. Ducks win comfortably. We've already broken that down. It's almost boring to talk about how good the Ducks are through two non-conference games, and they'll get a third one against San Jose State. But it's all setting up for a big Week 4 showdown with Stanford. Neil Lomax has taken USC to beat Stanford in uh, JT Daniels' first true road game at 17 years old. That's going to be one heck of a game. You can watch it 5.30 on Fox. But, yeah, he's an impressive guy. True freshman quarterback at USC, JT Daniels. True freshman quarterback at Nebraska, Adrian Martinez. Just went down with an injury with three and a half minutes to go as Nebraska has a one-point lead on Colorado, 28-27. We're uh, keeping tabs on that one as well. But, of course, the Oregon State Beavers have a chance at victory today when they take on the FCS Southern Utah, led by DeMario Warren of, uh, you know, he's one of those UC Davis coaches, a la Bilotti, a la Aliotti. Chris Peterson spent some time at UC Davis. Here's DeMario Warren leading his Southern Utah Thunderbirds into Reeser Stadium, Lomax. Yeah, the Thunderbirds. But, again, he doesn't play. Right. He's a coach. But they graduated uh, Patrick Tyler. I saw him play last year against Portland State. They won the Big Sky. Okay, they actually, they played Oregon last year. Even though they lost seventy-seven to twenty-one, but it was a seven-seven game in the first quarter. Uh, okay, the first quarter, the seventy-seven twenty-one, Judah. Okay, they got uh, the butts kicked. I was there. I remember. I, this is going to be a good game. Um, Oregon State should win. It's one of those they should win. And Beaver fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They should win. They should have beat Portland State real bad last year, but they were lucky to get away with that one. That was an amazing, great football game to watch. Beavers pulled that out. So don't sleep on the Thunderbirds. Uh, you know, they beat Northern Arizona last year in the Big Sky Conference Championship game. And first round bye in the, in the FCS playoffs. So this is not just some little 3-8 and eight team coming from the Big Sky. Uh, Thunderbirds can play. But so can the Beavers. I'm looking forward to, you know, Jake Lukens out. That's my understanding. He's not going to play. Yep. So Connor Blount will play. If Jake Coletto gets in the game as well, the kid from Camus, the papermakers, he might get him, but paper makers. Uh, their running attack is is where they make their money. You know, they they're good. Artavius Pierce, number twenty one, be the guy I'm looking forward to watch play, as well as my man from Oregon City High School, Trevon Bradford. There's the Bradford brothers, are really really good players. He's been coming on real strong, plays in that little slot. Number eight, looking forward to watch him play. Yeah, two touchdowns for Bradford in the big house last week. Six catches for a buck oh four. You mentioned Artavis Pierce, 11 carries for 168 yards against Ohio State and two touchdowns. Beavers seem to have playmakers offensively, Lomax. It's defensively where there's a lot of questions. Yeah, and, and they had a tough first test, let's put it that way. So now you're going from Ohio State to now a less FCS Not experienced Ohio team. So I'm expecting the, the Southern defense. Utah. The, 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 so I'm expecting the defense to play a lot better. But again, close game. Don't see a lot of explosive plays on either team. We'll see what John the Smith has up his sleeve. But again, looking forward to the young quarterbacks playing. They're going to run the football, set up the pass. I, I got Beavers 35-21. I think uh, yeah, that's right in the zone. I would take as well. I remember the Beavers struggled at home with Weber State a couple of years ago and only won that game by 10 points, this needs to be a 20-point win of sorts. Like the, Or a win. Let's, you know what? Let's get a win. Exactly. Uh, just a win. That's all I want. That's all I want. Jonathan Smith coming back to Reeser Stadium. There's too many good vibes yeah. to lose this game. Yeah. Gotta win. And what a great guy. And what a great story and where he's been. We talk about Scott Frost a lot. Mm-hmm. But Jonathan Smith's path to come back to Corvallis, where he's been, where he's done his time, 
where he's done his tutelage under a lot of great quarterback, um, great coaches, and Chris Peterson will go on down the line from Mike Riley. So uh, welcome back, Jonathan Smith. It's it's a fresh air that's back at Research Stadium. And and you give this guy five, six, seven, eight years, he, he I think he can change his program and build that culture with the old days of him. You know, they had some good teams when he was there. One game we haven't uh, broken down yet. Houston crushed Arizona, 45-18. to 18. Khalil Tate struggled in the first half, came on strong in the second half, finished with 341 pass yards, but seven carries for eight yards. That's so unacceptable to me. I mean, come on. He is a triple threat. To me, that's 15, 16 carries. He's aver- he averaged 12 carries last year. 12.3 carries last year, the guy averaged to carry. Not sacks. That's where he's such a triple threat, to run, throw, and read. Reads coverages, figures out to pull it, to give it, to throw it. Uh, they better figure that out. Kevin Sumlin, eh. it's early. Like I said, I'm not getting. So I don't get. I'm not getting really excited till October. I hear you. I'm trying to. I told Kanzano that. I'm telling you that, guys. Take a deep breath. We'll 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 get on the hot seat here in a while. Okay. Can't blame you for that. <laughs> Arizona, by the way, next week has Southern Utah. So you know, chance to get right for them. Uh, Utah, Northern Illinois. Utah's an 11-point road favorite, and I'm telling you what. At at Northern Illinois. Here's my question on that. Why? Why do you go to Northern Illinois? Oregon went to Wyoming last year. Oh, that's Wyoming. Come on, it's a beautiful country. My God, you can go down wow. to Yellowstone, take a little day off. That's what college kids, trip. college kids love national Come parks, on. by the way. That's exactly what college kids love, Yellowstone. <laughs> I mean, Chicago is one thing, but Northern Illinois, I don't know. It's kind of near there, I guess, because it's North Illinois. Yeah. By the way. But don't forget, hey, don't forget my buddy Mike Leach up there. The Air Raiders. They they got uh, San Jose State. Yeah. Washington State. So we got to talk about the Pac-12. Utah, by the way, they have won their first road game of the season each of the past five years, including wins at Michigan State. So, and, and look, Utah in the non-conference, 27-1 and since joining the Pac-12. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know why... Heck, you'd want to take your Utah Utes all to Northern Illinois. It's a good play. Mac team. Is the Huskies? Is that what they are? Yeah. The Huskies? Good call. Oh, uh, you, know. uh, you mentioned Wazoo. They get San Jose State tonight. Right. Nice, comfortable, cozy, get the coffee out, 8 o'clock kick on the Pac-12 network. And that game might last four hours. That's going to be terrible. <laughs> that, he's got like nine receivers coming in and out. Every, I think Oregon's got depth Oof. at the skill positions. Woo. Leach. <laughs> Get some quote. Can you get some quotes, please? I will. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. No problem. And what are your thoughts on Cal BYU? Seven fifteen BYU, a two point favorite at home after upsetting Arizona on the road last week. Their home opener against Justin Wilcox and Cal. When I met Tanner Tanner Magnum at mm-hmm. the Elite Eleven, and then when he came to the opening at Nike, I fell in love with the guy. All those guys, all those young men, seventeen year old kids in high school. I loved Tanner Magnum. I was I was with Christian Hackenberg. I was with him. Wow. Uh, Tanner Magnum was on my team, so I'm going with him. I think he's a really he's a great young man. I'm just going to go in my heart and take. He's playing really well. He played great against Arizona. They're at home. They're beating him by 13. I'm going to go with Cal. Well, you can. It's a you know it's America. You can do that. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Cal on the road as the underdog to go and win that game. Uh, we'll put another beer on it, let's say. Okay. Figure, figure that one out. Uh, adult beverage. All right. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Neil, it's a lot of fun. goes fast. This is good. It's college football. Football is supposed to be fun. It's a game, right? That's right, you man. You play the game, right, Herman Edwards? You, you play, play to game. win the, the game. game. Go Sun Devils. Shout out fighting Herms. Pulling for your Herms. <laughs>
He's Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. That's it for Neil and uh, myself on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. We'll see you again next week, everybody. 12 o'clock in the afternoon. High noon for Oregon and San Jose State. And the kickoff for that is countdown to kickoff next Saturday at noon. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. More Oregon College game day with the wrap-up shows coming up next on 1029-750 The Game.